0: Um, I'm normally found at the CCM Fallowfield site. Uh, It's great to be speaking to you this morning. I've been part of CCM for I think about five years now um, and it's been an amazing church family to be a part of. We're starting a new series today called Only Jesus and our key text for this series is Colossians. So I'm going to give you a summary of the book whilst you flick to Colossians in your Bible. Colossians was written by Paul. And he wrote it to the church plant in Colossae, the Colossians, and and he wanted to kind of develop this personal connection with the people that he hoped to teach and serve. He didn't wanna just go from city to city asserting his apostolic authority. So this letter has quite a personal tone. And it would have probably been really significant because Paul wanted to forge such a relationship with the church in Colossae that he could start to call out the heretical teachers that had infiltrated that community. And Paul was most likely writing this from a prison in Ephesus, which was on the sort sea coast of modern Turkey. So let's read our passage and unpack the theme of Only Jesus Makes Us Fruitful. So we're in Colossians 1, and we're going to read um, Colossians 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to ye from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sons he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is delighted to hear about this new church but in Paul's role as an apostle which was someone who would uh, pursue mission and teaching, he wanted to make sure that the new believers knew how to nurture and produce more fruit as a church and the fruit's already begun to appear. And it's interesting to see that this is what Paul focuses on when he tells them how he heard about the new church coming into being. He doesn't say that he's heard about their new learning and wisdom. He does, of course, want them to grow in understanding and wisdom. But that's not the telltale first sign of life. He doesn't say he's heard about their newfound holiness, their following really strict rules, their religiosity although he does want them to live a new sort of life. Paul chooses to highlight one key thing, the fruit that appears quietly, but surely within a genuine Christian community soon after it's planted. And what's the sign of life in this church? Well, verse eight says it's their love in the spirit. Their love in the spirit. The way they lived their lives marked them out. So I wonder, what are the signs of a life lived with Jesus do you display? Does your life echo the sign of God at work in you? The church in Colossae was in a society marked by lust and anger and lies. It was chaotic, but they were different because of their encounter with the living God. Their families were known for kindness and gentleness. They were known for forgiveness and acceptance of one another as members of the same family, even where there were major differences of race, of background, of culture. And this was the sign of God at work in them. So I've got three main points for us today to help us unpack this passage and go away with some learning. And the first is to bear fruit you first have to plant a seed. The church in Colossae was thriving because the gospel was transforming hearts and therefore the whole community could see this. Verse 5 says that the word of truth of the gospel was the seed planted in Colossae. The seed, the word, is powerful. So when it is spoken, God works through it. Spreading the fun of new life, of colour, of fragrance and fruit in every place. And this might remind you of the parable of the sower. The story where seeds fell on some good soil and the plants grew up and they grew and produced absolutely loads of fruit because they were on good soil. The good news brings new creation and our God is on a mission to make all things new. Do you have the truth of the gospel planted in you? Do you know Jesus as your saviour? Proverbs 13 verse 12 tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think a huge amount of the pain and the suffering we see in the world around us is because our culture has kind of got this massive amount of hope deferred. People are seeking out hope in all sorts of things, all sorts of indulgences and stuff that ultimately isn't good for them. You know, is it any wonder that the UK is known as the addictions capital of Europe? So many people are having difficulties with alcohol and drugs. It's estimated that alcohol and drug addiction can cost the nation £36 billion per year. Many people around us in our halls, in our streets, our workplaces, the places that we visit, are losing hope and living without a story that brings belonging and purpose. We are part of God's renewal plan and if we want to be fruitful, we need to be in right relationship with God. The seed of the gospel must be planted in us. The narrative of the Bible begins with humanity walking and talking with God in the Garden of Eden and ends with humanity walking and talking with God in a renewed heaven and earth. You see, what starts in a garden ends in a garden city. Between Eden and the renewed heaven and earth is this story of decreation. The created order unraveling through sin. Then we have the story of recreation, which finds its climactic moment in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Some people might say that our faith is escapism. That we just believe in this stuff, but it's not true. It, it doesn't mean anything. But our story is of God making his home in us, healing and restoring Every aspect of brokenness in our world. And the church in Colossae had the seed of the gospel planted in them. They knew the truth and they were set free. They had this gospel planted in them so that those around them were shown that they could stop hoping in the promises of the world and start hoping in the faithful, good promises of God. Second point. A plant will only grow if it's nurtured. I wonder if any of you acquired a plant in lockdown. I know a lot of my friends did um, and enjoyed looking after some house plants during all of that time at home. And hopefully you'll remember from primary school that a plant needs various things to grow. It needs rich, good soil for those roots to go down deep and bring in nutrients. It needs water. It needs light. And some plants might also need just the right temperature or just the right setting. And some really needy plants will need someone to talk to them or to sing to them. If you don't give a plant some of those things, it's not going to thrive, is it? And much is the same for our spiritual well-being and our faith developing. And I've got a prop for the visual people watching to help illustrate this a bit more. So, believe it or not... These two plants are exactly the same, called a Hedera helix or an ivy plant. It was three pound from Ikea, but this one is crispy. It's withered, it's dull, it's pretty much dead. I don't know why we still have it, to be fair. But this one, this one is green and vibrant and growing and full of life. Well, how could two plants living in the same house turn out so different? Well, I'll put my hands up and say that this one got a little bit neglected, whilst this one had a prime spot in our living room, meaning that it got way more attention and nurturing. For a plant to grow, it needs to be nurtured. And what does Paul say about nurturing our faith? Well, in this passage, he's explaining that when people become Christians, when they accept Jesus as their saviour, God plants in them a new sense of his presence and love, his guiding and strengthening. But this sense needs to be nurtured and developed. And we're actually given some directions in our passage in Colossians. And if you have a look at verses 10 and 12, we're to live a life that is worthy of the Lord. We are to produce good things. We are to grow in our knowledge of God. And we're to be thankful and actually to do this god has given us his power so that we can have great endurance and patience jeremiah 17 verses 7 to 8 says this blessed is the man who trusts in the lord whose trust is the lord he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. To flourish, we need to be connected to Jesus. We need to be planted by streams of living water. And practically, I think that means we need to think about our lifestyle, our rhythms that bring us more in step with the kingdom. And for some of us, that might mean a change in priorities or a change of perspective And as believers, we're continually learning to live how God wants us to live. It's not about being perfect. It's not about taking all of this and trying to put it all in place at once. It's about continually learning and listening to God. Not because he's a dictator who wants to control us like puppets, but because God is the great gardener who knows what is best for his creation. Only because of the new covenant in Jesus... Can we enter into this thriving and beautiful new life? Only Jesus makes us fruitful. The London Institute for Contemporary Christianity suggests six markers of a fruitful life in Christ. So we're going to take a look at them. They all begin with M. So uh, if you're jotting down notes, you might want to jot these down. The first M is modelling godly character. A fruitful Christian will want to live an attractive, distinctive, Christ-like lifestyle in front of the watching world. And I think we could see that in the Colossians. They were so public about their faith. Others could see that there was something different about them. The second M is making good work. A fruitful Christian will work hard at their job or their commitments. They will make good use of their God-given skills and talents. Third up is ministering grace and love. A fruitful Christian will show generosity and kindness to people that they come into contact with. And that could be meeting someone in the supermarket. It could be how you use your money, how you spend your time. The next M is moulding culture. A fruitful Christian will try to change their workplace and their neighbourhood for the better. They will seek to be an influence for good, in the way that they live their life. The fifth M of a fruitful life is being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Because a fruitful Christian will speak up for victims of injustice and champion the cause of the poor and the vulnerable. The sixth and final M is being a messenger of the gospel. A fruitful Christian will want to share their faith with their friends, their family, their colleagues, they will want to tell them all about Jesus. And we won't produce any of these fruits alone. We need a relationship with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit we are given the strength and power to live this way. So how are you nurturing your faith? And I know it has been so hard during this time to just keep going. Life has been so tricky this year. We feel like we're kind of just plodding through 2020. We're all desperate for some change. We're desperate for things to mean that we can come back together. Maybe some of you have given up a bit on God. Are you feeling a bit weak, a bit lifeless and dry, a bit like my plant earlier? Well, I can totally relate to that if you are. I've found this season so tough. But the times that I have chosen to open up my Bible to cry out to God, to pray my hardest prayers, to just meet with my Father, those have been the times where there's been signs of new life breaking through. And in many ways, it's felt like a season of kind of pruning and stripping back, removing the things I don't need. But also it's been really hard and there's been many of the things that I love and enjoy that I've not had access to. But actually we can choose to worship We can trust in the one who knows how to bring the dead to life. We are given that promise again and again in scripture. I love this quote from Kay Warren, who's an author. Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless among the ruins. If you're feeling wrecked and just surrounded by brokenness and those ruins, Well, God wants to breathe new life into you. And we are invited to plant our roots deep by that living water. And we can take inspiration from the church in Colossae and put our hope in God. Because God's intention is for human life to flourish and bear fruit. My third and final point for us today is that a fruitful garden gives glory to the gardener. Jesus said, I am the true vine, abide in me, stay in me. Branches that abide in me will be fruitful. So Jesus promises that if we stay in the vine, we will continue to bear fruit. And what's the point of bearing fruit? Well, if you think about an actual garden, the purpose of flourishing plants is to create something beautiful for the gardener. Whether that is just gorgeous flowers to look at and enjoy, or if that's to produce you know, fruit like apples and pears to be eaten and enjoyed. By remaining focused on Jesus, we are producing good fruit that gives glory to God. Our actions should be pointing to the majesty, grace, and love of our God. We've not been saved by our good works. We've been saved for good works. We've been saved to be part of recreation of this renewal process. And we are unconditionally loved by God. And because of this, we are freed to show that love to others, just like the Colossians did. And not only does a fruitful Christian experience sort of fullness of life, but we're part of a new creation work that God is doing. And we're starting to see fullness of life all around us. I've been reading a book by Pete Hughes, who uh, leads King's Cross Church in London, And in the book, Pete is exploring how God is on a mission to make all things new. He explains that God's desire is to bring restoration to every sphere of society. And in the book, Pete guides you through scripture showing that God is relentless in redeeming lives. He's relentless in healing nations, in rewiring culture and bringing renewal to all creation. He answers this really tricky question. Well, how do we go about renewing culture and partnering with God to transform our cities and communities. His answer is that we must become like God. From God's identity, all of his actions flow and it is in the activity of God that we are redeemed and transformed. God's doing redeems and transforms our being and our being then overflows into our doing. So if you see our good works point back to that identity of God. The language of likeness or image bearers is used throughout the Bible. It's also seen in royal ideology from Mesopotamia and Egypt. And at that time, kings and priests uh, were designated the image or likeness of a particular God. They were tasked with representing that deity. The task of royalty is to rule. And humanity has been given the task to be God's royal representatives we are invited to be fruitful and to multiply. So with a royal identity, humanity is given a royal task to rule and be part of renewal. See, our multiplying, our our planting churches, our, our starting community groups, our getting involved in transforming communities is the means by which God's own glory fills the earth. And I believe that Amongst those who are watching, who are joining this service today, are individuals with dreams to see the city of Manchester transformed. I believe that there are business ideas, there's startups and leaders whose good works are part of God's renewal plans. A life pleasing to God doesn't have to be boring. I think the Colossians are a testimony to that. Living a life with kingdom mentality can be exciting. See, I love being part of a church like a CCM that's not scared to do new things, to plant more sites, to just have a go at stuff and to be obedient to what the Father's saying. And for some people today, you might actually just be realising, oh, I've kind of walked away from my identity as a daughter or of a son of the King. I want to remind you that you are his royal representative, and that only Jesus is going to make your life fruitful. Only Jesus will give your life true meaning and satisfaction. So just to sum up, to bear fruit, you first have to plant a seed. A plant will only grow if it's nurtured. And a fruitful garden gives glory to the gardener. We're to direct the attention of our minds to the word of God's promises. we're to seek in all humility the help of the Holy Spirit, we're not doing this alone. Wouldn't it be amazing if people saw CCM in the way that Paul saw the Colossians? Not for our own glory but so that they would experience the love of God and all of that glory would point back to him. My prayer is that we would be known as a church that loves one another and loves our community deeply And that ultimately this is going to bring glory to our amazing God. Um, I'd just like to read a little passage to finish up before I pray. So if you want to join me in finding Isaiah 55 in your Bible. If not, I'm just going to read it for us because this has been a passage I've come back to again and again uh, during this really tricky season. And I feel like for some people they need to hear these words again. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendour. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to God and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, And be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Yes, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much just for um, this passage in Colossians that we've got uh, so much from today. I thank you for Paul's writings that were just full of encouragement. And thank you that you, um, through this passage, have shown us so much of what it is to be a disciple. That we need to be actively nurturing our faith as we pursue living a life for you, Lord. We pray that in our actions, in our words, we would do things that are pleasing to you. Lord, we ask that you would show us how we can flourish, how we can do good works for you, Lord Jesus. Amen.